Veritas Mizzou podcast. Veritas is the college ministry of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. Our greatest hope is to see more and more college students believe that Jesus is more. To get connected, check out our weekly meeting on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. on Mizzou's campus. For specific details about where we meet, how to join a small group, or more information about Veritas, visit us online at veritasmizzou.com. To stay in the loop with what we're up to, follow Veritas Mizzou on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Oh, there we are. Cool. Welcome. Um, You know, I was thinking about tonight and how if we had a conversation in August and you said that we would be gathered here tonight uh, as a group, that we would be singing, that we would be worshiping, I'd probably say slim chances. If you were also then having that conversation with me and you said you're also going to be having a mustache while, while you speak tonight, I would probably say no, I've never had a mustache, so once again, slim chances. And yet, we're here gathering, we're here worshiping, and I have a mustache. So, both of those things happened, and I'm excited, and it's really cool. So, no, I'm, I'm, my name's Justin. I, I met a couple of you guys that are here for your first time tonight, and, and that's awesome, and that's really cool. So, um, I wanted to start off tonight, like, like I like to, with a question, and that's a pretty simple question, and it's... Have you ever messed up? Have you ever made a mistake? Have you ever failed, maybe miserably? And this could be tripping on your way up the steps to the physics building. This could be backing into your parents' car. This could be a whole sorts of things. And I think that it's safe to say we would all say yes, right? We would all say yes, that we have failed, we have messed up. And Fortunately for us, we live in the day of the iPhone, and so a lot of the times that we mess up or when other people mess up, we watch that, and we can watch it over and over and over, and we can laugh, and it's really, really funny except for when you're the one that messed up, but we're all in the same boat. We've all messed up, and it's good to know that we're not alone in that, right? And We're not alone in that with each other, but we're also not alone with that with a lot of characters in the Bible. And for example, let's look at Peter. So if you don't know who Peter is, Peter was one of the closest followers of Jesus. He was the first of Jesus' disciples to say that, Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. He was one of the leading forces For the church, after Jesus ascended into heaven, after he ended his earthly ministry, Peter was one of those main guys that was spreading the news of Jesus to all that would hear and all that would listen as far as he could. Needless to say, Peter is a hero in the faith. He's someone that you and I should and hopefully do in a lot of ways want to look like. We want to mimic. And yet, in the biblical story we see that Peter also failed and messed up a lot. We see times in the gospel stories where Peter just, he didn't understand what Jesus was saying. He didn't understand what Jesus was teaching. They just weren't clicking. We see in the book of Acts that Peter is is kind of playing into division in the church. 
that he's a part of, of separation and he gets called out by another disciple of Jesus. And maybe you've heard about his, his most memorable fail is when Peter denies Jesus. Jesus predicts it, and then sure enough, Peter three times while Jesus is on trial denies that he has anything to do with Jesus. And so the part of Peter's story that we're actually going to look at tonight, it's his interaction with Jesus after the resurrection. So Peter denies him. Jesus is crucified. He rises from the dead. He comes back to his disciples. And this is when we're going to see Peter interacting with Jesus after he's messed up. And his response, this interaction, it's a clear example of how to respond when you and I mess up. And, and when the first time I read this, and I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, okay, well, if I'm thinking about me being Peter, what would it be like if I had just denied Jesus three times, and then days later, he comes to me? What would I be feeling? What would be going through my mind? Would, would I shy away from Jesus? Would I, would I try to hide the feelings that I might be feeling of guilt? Would I be feeling shame? Would I be feeling remorse? Maybe. I would be passive and I would just try to act like nothing happened. Or, or maybe I'd get defensive and say, yeah, but you, you know, you, you were there, but you weren't there. You know, you don't fully understand it. And yet, if you can guess, is that how Peter responds when he interacts with Jesus after the resurrection? Nah, that's not what Peter does at all. His response, it's awesome because it shows Peter's love for Jesus. And so tonight we're going to look at this interaction and we're going to see Peter has three actions that show his love for Jesus. One, Peter swims to Jesus. Two, Peter submits to Jesus. And three, Peter sacrifices everything that he has for Jesus. Three S's there, so it should be easy to remember. And and so when we pick up this story, Peter and the disciples, they're, they're gathered. Jesus is risen from the dead. And they go back to doing what they were doing before Jesus, which was fishing. So they go out and they're fishing. And back at that time, you would fish at night so that it was fresh in the morning to sell. And these disciples, they've been fishing all night and they haven't caught anything. And there's a man on the shore, Jesus, just heads up, and he yells at them, hey, throw your net over the right side. And so they cast their net over the right side, and they haul in this huge mess of fish. John tells us 153 fish. And let's pick up in verse 7. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. So, so the first thing I want us to see is how Peter shows his love for Jesus. Well, it's by swimming, like I said, literally swimming to Jesus. Once Peter realizes who the guy yelling at them is, well, he throws himself in the water, he can't do anything but help himself from jumping in the water and swimming to Jesus. Peter wants nothing more than to be with his risen Lord. And 
guys, maybe it's just me, but 100 yards is, is not that short of a swim. And so Peter's just dedicated to get to Jesus. And you could be thinking, you might be thinking when you read this now, isn't Peter kind of being selfish? Like, isn't that kind of a not cool thing to do? You catch this huge mess of fish and then, all right, guys, I'm out. I'm gonna go hang with Jesus while you do all the work. No, what I want us to see is there's actually a lot of beauty in Peter's devotion to and commitment to Jesus. And, and when I read this, I, I can't help but think of a scene from the movie Forrest Gump. Let's take a look. I, I don't know if you've seen Forrest Gump. Hopefully you have. But I just, I love that scene. And it, it's, I, I, don't, I think it's awesome. It's kind of scary how much it lines up with what we're talking about tonight. Because in, in that scene, Tom Hanks, his character, when he sees his friend, he sees Lieutenant Dan, he wants nothing more than to be with Lieutenant Dan. There's no place that he would rather be in the world than right there on the dock with his friend. And so what's he do? He jumps in, he swims to his friend. And, and if you keep watching that a little bit, you'll see that because no one's steering the boat, the boat's just going AWOL. And in the background, they're talking and you see the boat wreck into another dock. But Tom Hanks' character, he doesn't care. He doesn't care about the boat because he cares so much more about being with his friend, about going to, running, swimming to, literally, his friend. And I think in the same way, when we read these verses about Peter, we see him jumping and swimming towards Jesus. It's a beautiful picture of his love for Jesus because Peter messed up. Peter denied Jesus three times, three times that he said that he had nothing to do with him. And yet when Jesus rises, when he comes to his disciples, Peter knows that there's no better place for him to be than in the presence of his Savior. There's no better place for him than to be with Jesus right then. And, and it just, it makes me want to ask if that's true for my life, if that's true for our lives. We, we say we've all messed up. When we mess up, for the umpteenth time, how do we respond? Is our response one of avoiding of hiding, of not trying to talk to people about it, of not trying to gather with Christians to kind of stay away? Do we try to avoid God in any way that we can because of how we feel after all we've done? Because we mess up and, and we have these feelings, these mistakes that want to keep us from Jesus. We feel inadequate. Guys, I, I've felt this. I've felt inadequate when I mess up. I felt the guilt 
and I felt the shame, and I felt the frustration, the defeat of messing up, and the easiest thing that it seems like we can do is run and hide. The easiest thing is to just try to ignore it and hope that we forget it, hope that it all goes away, when instead, what we need is we need to be like Peter. We need to be people that when we sin, when we fall short, when we mess up, that we run to, we flee to Jesus. We run to Jesus who promises and says that he's eager and willing to forgive us of our sins, that he's not going to leave us. Jesus tells us he's not going to forsake us. And so we should run to the one that's not surprised by the mistakes that we made, the ways that we fall short. No, he knows that, and yet he's willing to embrace us. Let's be a people that love like Peter, a people that when we mess up, we want to and are willing to and are eager to run back to Jesus and know that the best thing we do is we can go to Jesus and seek forgiveness from him because he's willing to give it to us freely. And that's just a beautiful picture for us to follow. And so we see Peter, he, he swims, he literally swims to Jesus. And when he gets there, they get all the fish in and Jesus has breakfast for him. He's got fish, he's got bread, and they eat breakfast. And let's pick up the conversation after this breakfast and as we're reading, I want you to ask yourself, how do we see Peter's love for Jesus in these verses? Verse 15, it says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And so in, the, in this conversation between Peter and between Jesus, we see Jesus asking Peter the same question, exact same question three times. We see Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And if we're Peter, if we're trying to put ourselves in the shoes of Peter, how would you feel in that conversation? I, for me, maybe I'd feel worrisome, sad, maybe a little angry, confused. Jesus, what the heck is going on? Why are you doing this? And we can sympathize when the text tells us that, that Peter's hurt by what's going on. And yet, even when he's hurt, how do we see Peter respond? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And so how do we see Peter's love for Jesus here? Well, there, there could be multiple answers here, but I think one way that we see Peter's love for Jesus is in Peter's submission to Jesus. Peter submits to Jesus in his infinite wisdom. He submits to Jesus' will and authority over Peter's life. Lord, you know all things. Lord, you know that I love you. You see, Peter, he doesn't get angry. He doesn't get defensive. And while it's difficult, I think the imagery that, 
that John is writing this for. It's really beautiful because you see, just like we said, Peter denied Jesus three times. In the same way, Jesus is giving Peter the opportunity to confess his love for Jesus three times. And, and it's, this, it's this beautiful picture of Peter being fully forgiven for his sins, fully forgiven for denying Jesus in submitting to Jesus's authority, in submitting to Jesus's will, Peter has been fully restored to his responsibility of serving God's kingdom. And gosh, that, that's just so cool. And, and when I read it, it's, it's, it's such a great reminder for me. It's a great reminder, hopefully for all of us here tonight, anyone that's listening to this, that we in our own lives we need to be like Peter. We need to submit to Jesus. And so the, the question is, how do we do that? And, and it's a hard question because I think when we talk about submitting to Jesus, for some of us here, that, may, that might be kind of difficult. That might be kind of uncomfortable for us to think about submitting to Jesus. Maybe it's difficult because, you know, we've read our Bibles or we think we know or understand Christianity from, from other people, and we just kind of have some challenges with what we think God says or, or parts of the Bible, or maybe we feel like to be a Christian, it kind of goes against something else that I'm for. And so that makes it difficult to submit to Jesus. Or, or maybe we just have doubts, and, and maybe for you it's you doubt and you wonder if Jesus' wisdom and authority is really everything that Peter believes and everything that I'm saying it is. And so maybe your doubts make it difficult for you to submit to authority. Or maybe it's simple and it's just kind of passive. Like you're like, ah, it's not really that big a deal. I don't really know what it looks like to submit to Jesus. And so I'm going to kind of do my own thing. I'm pretty busy. I got a lot going on. I'm here tonight. That's, that's awesome. I'm glad you're here. But outside of that, I'm kind of fine. You know, and, and whichever category, whichever group you're in, that's okay. But I think sometimes submitting to Jesus is hard or difficult for us because, well, maybe we don't actually know a practical example of what it looks like to submit to Jesus. I know that's kind of how I feel. And so I, what I thought is maybe I'd give you one personal example in my life, a way that it can look for us to submit to Jesus, to, to consistently remind ourselves of the authority, the good authority that Jesus is and want to submit to him in the way that Peter does. And, and the way that I do that personally is by reading and praying the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. And when you read it, it, it just... It, it, there's so much it exudes submitting to and trusting Jesus. And so it says in Matthew 6, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts <clears throat> as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You see, for me, this prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray, it's one of continual reliance on, continual submission to Jesus. So whoever you are, wherever you're at, 
whatever 2020 has sent your way, as believers, these words, they can and they should be fundamental to our conversations with Jesus. They're fundamental to submitting to Jesus's infinite wisdom and his authority in everything that he has. And we can do that with all of our hearts. We can do that just like Peter. Now, I want us to, to next look at, at the other half of the conversation. And so three times Jesus says, do you love me? Peter says, yes. And then after he professes his love for Jesus, what does Jesus say? He says, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And now, this is probably maybe obvious to you, but Jesus isn't telling Peter to literally go feed some sheep. No, this is, this is connecting to Jesus saying that he is the great shepherd. His sheep are his followers, his people. We are his sheep. And so Jesus is commissioning. He's telling Peter to go and care for those that Jesus loves. And I think that this leads us to our third point tonight and how we see Peter's response of love for Jesus. We saw that he swam. We saw that he submitted. And now we see it and that Peter sacrifices everything for Jesus, even sacrificing to the point of death. Let's look again at our text in, in verses 18 and 19. It says this, Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Now, this is, this is immediately, this is directly following Peter's interaction, his conversation with Jesus to feed his sheep. And so what is Jesus saying? What is he telling Peter in this conversation? Well, thankfully, the author tells us. He tells us that Jesus was indicating how Peter would die. You see, to stretch out your hands, that was signifying crucifixion. The same way that Jesus died, this painful, this excruciating death, in the same way that Jesus died, Peter is told that he's going to die. Out of his love for Jesus, out of his submission to Jesus, you see, Peter is called to a life of service. He's called to a life of spreading this good news, this really good news of what he's seen, Jesus rising from the dead. But Peter's told that, that spreading this, being on this mission, sacrificing, it's sacrificing because it's not gonna be a comfortable life. Peter's hearing it's, it's sacrificing because it's not gonna be an easy life. No, it's sacrificing because it's gonna be really costly to Peter to love Jesus. It's gonna cost him his comfort. It's gonna cost him his well-being. It's gonna cost him his status potentially all for the sake of loving Jesus and being faithful to Jesus. And it's gonna end in a death that ultimately it won't bring glory to Peter, but it will bring glory to God. And so one last time, if we just put ourselves in Peter's shoes, and we're just thinking about this, and we're thinking, what's going on in Peter's mind right now? You know, what we don't know is that when Peter's told to sacrifice, that he's actually told to sacrifice for three decades. 
He's going to live for another 30 years, sacrificing all that he has, his comfort, his status, all of those things that we mentioned. He's sacrificing it all, awaiting the death that Jesus says that is coming. And, and he's able to do that. He's able to sacrifice. He's able to cling to the truth of Jesus all out of his love for and believing the truth that Jesus tells him. And Peter, he's, he's not the only one in scripture that's told to sacrifice. No, Jesus actually told those with him that it's gonna cost them a lot. And he actually tells that to us too. You see this commission that Peter has to sacrifice everything out of his love for Jesus. That's a commission that's for you and for me. That's a commission that we all have. We are all called as followers of Jesus to be like Peter, to spread the good news, to tell people, to share with people about the hope that we have in Jesus, to play a part in what God is doing in the world today. We are called, we are told to be a part of that. And that's really awesome and that is exciting to spread God's kingdom, his kingdom of love, in justice, in mercy, in telling people about the hope that we have. But guys, at the same time, we learn that it's, it's gonna take sacrifice. And that, that sacrifice, it might not look, I, I don't think it's gonna look for many of us like being crucified, but what could it look like? It could be that maybe you're sacrificing your comfort for the purpose of loving Jesus. Maybe you're sacrificing your money Maybe you're sacrificing the way that others view you, your image, or even your time. Maybe for us in here, it's sacrificing by a way of living so countercultural to the, those around us in, in our apartment or our dorm, our fraternity, sorority. And, and we're called to live this way. We're called to sacrifice all out of our love for Jesus, all out of our hope that we have in Jesus. And if you want a really simple, really practical way that I think it could be a sacrifice for us is we watched the announcement video earlier and we heard Davis. He talked about next week how we're not gonna be in here. We're actually gonna be out at the magic tree and we're gonna be gathering and we're gonna be talking about and singing about the hope that we have in Jesus this holiday season. And so maybe a sacrifice for you is sacrificing comfortability or sacrificing rejection, maybe someone saying no for the sake of asking someone to come with you to that next week. You know, if we, if we really believe in this hope like Peter and we want to bring others in, what better way to bring other people in than bringing them to something that is gonna share about the hope of Jesus in a world and in a time that people, they really need some hope. So maybe that's one way you sacrifice you just come next week and you bring someone with you because guys, that's, that's a small sacrifice, but it's a sacrifice. And if you do that with a heart of loving Jesus, it is beautiful in the sacrifice that it is. Now, tonight is the, is the last night in our sermon series of John. And, and as we wrap up this sermon series, I just, I love that the gospel story, it doesn't end with Jesus dying on the cross. No, it doesn't end with Jesus rising from the dead. No, the gospel story, it ends with Peter being sent, with Jesus' followers being sent. And that is true today. 
That's the amazing reality that we live in, that that sending is still happening, that God is still establishing his kingdom, and that for us to love and to follow Jesus, we are to be a part of that sending. We are called to sacrifice for the hope that is within us, for the sake of bringing more people to desire and to hope in and to believe that Jesus is more. We're called to be a part of that with Peter, just like Peter. And that is such an awesome and sometimes difficult call from God. And so as the music team comes back up, I just, I want to leave you guys with this one last thought. I just want to leave you with this. Whatever your life looks like, I know a lot of us come from a lot of different places. You know, my hope is that our lives collectively and individually would look more like Peter. I, would ho- I hope that we can be a group of individuals that, that when we mess up, when we fail to love God, when we fail to love others, that we would rush back to Jesus, that we would seek forgiveness from Jesus just like Peter. I pray that we would be a group that would submit to Jesus as the ultimate authority and the ultimate power in our lives, even when, maybe especially when it's difficult, just like Peter, and that we would be willing and ready to sacrifice all that we have now and all that we maybe will have, even to the point of death. We would be willing to sacrifice everything that we have for the sake of bringing more people to believe and more people to put their hope in Jesus, just like Peter did, guys. Let's be a group that is like Peter. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word, your encouragement through Peter's life. We see him mess up, and yet, God, we see him run back to you. We see him submit to you. We see him sacrifice all for you, and God, I just pray that we can be a group that would be like Peter, that we would do those things in response, Jesus, to the hope that you have given us, your death on the cross, your resurrection. Jesus, that gives us hope in this time to live for you, to lay it all out on the line for the sake of bringing more people to know and to believe that you are more. Jesus, we love you and we pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Veritas Mizzou podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, please be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This helps other people find our content so that they can be encouraged too. Most importantly, to get connected to Veritas, check out our weekly meeting on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. on Mizzou's campus. For specific details about where we meet, how to join a small group, or more information about Veritas, visit us online at veritasmizzou.com. To stay in the loop with what we're up to, follow Veritas Mizzou on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening.